0: Hey there, I'm Andrea Koppel, and it's time for Coffee, the podcast where you get to hear firsthand what the jobs and careers that interest you the most are really like. Hey there, Java Junkies. Welcome back to another episode of T4C. If you're interested in teaching or the world of science, especially in science, technology, engineering, the arts, and math, also known as STEAM, or STEM if you take out the arts piece, then this is the episode for you. Because my next guest is chair of science for 6th grade through 12, and the director of the STEAM program for K-12 through at a prestigious private school in Sherman Oaks, California, called the Buckley School. But before I introduce you to Dr. Ideal Gonzalez-Sericchio, I want to make sure you've signed up for the Java Junkies Journal. That's Time for Coffee's weekly newsletter that comes out on Mondays and gives you an exclusive look inside the episodes and the guests we're going to be featuring that week. Just head over to the Time for Coffee website at time4coffee.org and the sign-up box is right there on the homepage. Now, please grab your steaming mug and take a chug of your favorite caffeinated beverage because it's time for another caffeinated career conversation. And my extremely talented next guest is Dr. Ideal Gonzalez-Sorikio, the science chair and STEAM director at the Buckley School in California. Before joining the faculty at the Buckley School in 2013, Ideal was the STEAM Director at Bridges Academy in Studio City, California, where she worked with gifted students with autism, ADHD, ADD, and other kinds of learning disabilities. Among some of her other professional experiences, Dr. gonzalez Siricchio was a summer research connection teacher mentor and a senior researcher. At the California Institute of Technology, where she was also a senior postdoctoral research fellow, digging into the link between spinal cord injury and the role of synapsin I gene. I hope I'm saying that right. Using <laughs> the zebrafish Danio Rario. Did I get that right?
1: Yes, the zebrafish correct. Yeah, but the synapsin gene, a particular family member, the synapsin two B but we'll talk about that
0: later. Okay. Yes, we will. (laughs) And she was a lecturer at California State Polytechnic University, where she taught courses on the fundamentals in cell and molecular biology. There is much more to her story. And if you want to learn more about Dr. gonzalez Siricchio's career and what she does right now at the Buckley School, please check out the show notes for this episode to see if her main Time for Coffee interview has already dropped. Dr. Gonzalez Siricchio Ideal, welcome to Time for Coffee. Are you caffeinated and ready to go?
1: Oh my gosh, did I have coffee? Not yet, but do I have Red Bull? Yes, I do. Oh my God,
0: I love it. (laughs) Coffee, your Bronx roots are coming out here.
1: (laughs) I know, and I've been here for such a long time, and supposedly my accent has lessened, but I'm afraid how it was when I got here. (laughs) Oh my God. God.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So let's dive into our time for coffee, 10 espresso shots ideal. And we're going to frame this both in terms of those who are interested in becoming scientists and or those who are interested in becoming educators in the STEM field, in the STEAM world. And we're going to explain the difference between the two because you're both. So what are the entry-level jobs available to young people who want to break into these fields.
1: So for the educational fields, there's so much. You don't have to necessarily get into a school system. You could be a mentor. You could be a teaching assistant. You can actually just set up, go to the local YMCA or Boys Girls Club of America and just want to share your knowledge and also pay it forward, bring up the next generation. And can you actually get paid to do that? Yes and no. There are ways to pay yourself if you write grants or if you wanna be a tutor, that's one way to get paid. As a teaching assistant or entering the academic field, like secondary education, you do need at least a bachelor's and you do get paid. And with
0: 401k and everything like that. I feel like we're in outer space now. What was that sound? I really don't know. It could be my husband playing with the rovers, who knows? (laughs)
1: That's right. Your husband is a scientist too. Yeah, he's a rocket scientist at JPL.
0: Oh my God. What is JPL?
1: Jet Propulsion Laboratory. They're affiliated with NASA. So his role as a rocket scientist, he's a lead engineer for the rovers like Spirit, Opportunity, Curiosity. He's working on 2020 now and some other stuff that he can't tell me because it's classified as well as the mission.
0: Oh my God. Listen, I can't even imagine what your dinner table conversations are like. So let us <laughs> focus on you now and move into what you think is a useful skill or skills that you look for in the young people that you hire right now at the Buckley School.
1: As educators, correct. Passion and not worried about getting dirty, willing to get dirty. This generation is completely different to generations of the past, even from the millennials themselves, everyone, especially the Gen Z generation knows a lot. They know how to use technology. They're so wise, but they're so worried because they're worried about getting into a particular school. And as an educator, when I'm looking at individuals coming in, I want that passion, willingness to get dirty and willingness to show the kids that the grades do mean nothing. Knowing how to use the knowledge and how to learn is the key to get to your ultimate goals in life.
0: Absolutely. Now, what do you mean specifically, Ideal, when you say get dirty?
1: Get dirty from somewhat being emotionally available. Of course, you have to have a boundary between student and teacher, but you have to be able to relate Say, you know what? Yes, you failed a quiz. You failed a test. That's okay. You live at this moment, but now this does not define you. We're going to learn from this, such as if you were in cross country, your form was off. How can we perfect that? And now we move forward. The ultimate goal is not the grade. The ultimate goal is the love of learning and mastery, because that's what's going to move forward for the students to be successful in anything that they do.
0: So just to make sure I understand what you mean You're saying to get kind of emotionally dirty in the sense that Mm -hmm. you really try to talk to kids and be a support system for them.
1: Be a support system. And one thing that I've noticed from older generation educators to the incoming educators and the educators that are my age You do not need to show, you know, everything, show your flaws, show your missteps, show that trajectory is not direct. It is sloppy. But when you get there, that moment of your accomplishment is so much sweeter showing that you are human. You do not need to be perfect. And there's a big thing about perfection and that needs to stop. Because we're not perfect. Oh my
0: God. Let me tell you, we are speaking the same language. Oh, yes. I am 100% on board with that. Ideal. Is someone's major a deciding factor to get into your profession? So again, in the science field, in the STEM field, if they haven't studied something in that, is that a deal breaker for you?
1: No, if they're willing to pursue it. STEM education before versus STEAM STEM education now, I see it's completely different. All the science knowledge can be learned from a book from the internet. Now we need educators who know how to use it. In order to get the buy-in from the students, the educator need a science background worked in the field. This is my opinion. Being able to demonstrate how you utilize all this knowledge. The information in this book is not the end all be all. These are just steps on how to advanced technology, advanced the human race, help our planet. And if the educator is not willing to get into the lab, get into research while learning how to relate and teach and all the pedagogies out there to really bring up this generation, it's not a deal breaker, but you should be willing to take that extra effort. It's not all about teaching from a book, it's teaching from experience as
0: well. Yes. So I actually think i probably should have asked you this at the outset. So here I'm going to say I made a mistake. Let us explain to our listeners, Ideal, for those who may not be familiar with the difference between STEAM and STEM and what STEM Mm -hmm. is, could you just quickly give us that overview?
1: STEM, science, technology, engineering, mathematics, STEM, and now the arts are entering in. STEAM. And it's important that the arts are integrated in science, technology and mathematics, because in order to have the buy-in with society and also really understand that there is beauty in programming and genetic engineering and space travel, there's an art to it. I know we were discussing before that the iPhone, Apple, if it was just a black, clunky looking machine, no one would gravitate towards it, even though the technology is there. But once we get it nice and sleek and pleasurable, people will go towards it because we like pretty shiny things. And then the technology will be grabbed and respected, I guess, is the way to say
0: it. Yes. And that was really Steve Jobs, his brilliance. Yes, absolutely.
1: And we see his effects today. Even... If you look at NASA websites, or if you look at any science based website, you see that aesthetic appeal, because we want individuals to see that there is art within the science besides the aesthetic, but also the beauty of how proteins work together, or how engines and programming and the electrical part of a robot work together as well. It's dance. It's art.
0: Love it. So what kind of life experiences do you think, Ideal, are most useful for someone starting out in this field?
1: Every life experience is useful because you don't know who you will connect in the classroom. I thought when I entered the Buckley School, my background was completely different than the population at Buckley. There's one or two who have a similar background as me. I thought I had nothing to connect with, but I did. Having experiences of having an accident or losing a friend due to violence, that's where I was able to connect with some of the kids. It's hard to explain. I think I should say it this way. Every life experience is important because you don't know who you're going to touch and make a difference. I know one thing for sure throughout my educational career, being an educator. I know I had at least a handful of students who I didn't know I connected with until they came up to me and confessed they wanted to hurt themselves or I never knew I could do this. Can you guide me? Me as myself, I'm a learning different person, so I'm severely dyslexic. I could read a word, but I don't comprehend it. I need it also auditory and hyperactive. I don't know if you could hear it in my voice that some of the students thought that science was not their future or that they were able to relate to me enough that, hey, my home life is not okay or I don't feel okay. I want to hurt myself. I don't want to, but can you help me? Certain things that you are able to convey about yourself and about your past and your trajectory and how you got to that moment will help a student relate to you, at least have a similar reflection. I hope I'm making myself clear.
0: Oh my gosh, so clear. And this goes back to what you were saying earlier in your response to my question about what's a useful skill or skills and you said getting dirty, being real, Mm -hmm. being real and bringing your authentic self into the classroom and letting these young people know that even though you are teaching them a wonky subject, you're really preparing them For the real world and for life.
1: Yes, because life is freaking messy. I wish it wasn't, but then that would have been boring. It's beautiful that it's messy. Certain messiness I don't like. This quote, I really don't like. Fake it till you make it. I really don't like that quote. I know the intentions of it. And I hear some teachers doing it, some scientists, some colleagues, and even some students. And I'm like, you can't fake it till you make it unless you have the foundation. That's why I don't like that phrase. Because you don't want to front. You don't want to pretend you know You do have the skills. If this is your passion, if this is your trajectory, whatever it may be, if you have the skills, you don't need to fake it. Just believe in yourself. That's why that phrase, fake it till you make it, I don't like. I don't know. Because I've witnessed some students and even some colleagues as I was coming up, pretending they know a skill just to relate to someone else and they crash and burn. Don't do that. Be true. Be your authentic self. If you don't know it, just admit it. Yeah because that is so admirable and I respect that so much.
0: Me too. And I have to say when I was younger and especially my first career as a journalist, I remember when I started, I had just moved back from being a foreign correspondent and I was covering the US State Department and I was 34 years old and I didn't know what the heck I was doing, ideal and mm-hmm. I wish I had had the courage to go up to one of the more seasoned journalists and say, Gosh, you know so much. Could you give me some advice? I'm feeling insecure in this way or that way. And I didn't do it because I felt that I needed to fake it until I made it. And as a result, I made a whole bunch of mistakes. Maybe I would have still made a lot of those mistakes, but I think it psychologically would have made a difference. And maybe that's what you're getting at.
1: Yes, thank you. I have not met an individual that said no to be a mentor. People do want to help in any profession. For students out there aspiring to be scientists or engineers, and you're like, oh, I want an internship, but there's no programs out there. Mm -mm. There are programs out there. Make your programs. People do want to help you. Just look through universities, look to biotech companies, look at SpaceX, look for people that have similar career goals as you that made it email them saying, Hi, I really admire your work. I read some of your work because make sure you read their work. I really would like a life guidance, a career guidance, mentorship, and even an opportunity to see what you do to really learn and make sure this is my passion. And maybe I create something new out of it. Everyone wants to help. Don't hide. I mean, what was that saying? Don't repeat mistakes from history. There's so many people with a lot of history, ask them about it and learn from that.
0: Oh, that is such great advice.
1: Yeah, it's just time is so short, but time is so valuable and you can make so much impact. And if we just communicate and learn from each other saying, hey, you're at a point in your life that I want to aspire to. What were some of your adventures and mishaps that I could learn from? And so I could be there with you, paying it forward and helping the next generation just ask. The worst case scenario is no. Then you just move to another person. I mean, there's so many people out there.
0: (laughs) Yes. And in this day and age where you can go on the internet, go on LinkedIn and Mm -hmm. search different companies, different people, there really is no excuse not to throw out a wide net and see what wonderful bounty you pull in. There's so
1: much. And- Creating your unique path. I had a couple of students actually yesterday. We were hanging out, we were celebrating her remission, and they were worrying about they're in college and they don't know what they want to do. And they were stating the same careers lawyer, doctor, scientist, engineer. I'm like, you don't have to follow those standards. You could become a scientist, great, but you could be a, a neurobotanist. Create something new that defines you and it defines your passion. So when you work towards that goal, any missteps, you find it as tools on what not to do. And I advise that even for those interested in education, get into every type of classroom in every socioeconomic background, every state, and really see the similarities and the differences between all students and between all classrooms, because what I've learned anyway, and through my readings that every kid from kindergarten to 18 years old, senior in high school, they're acting age appropriate. And now how can you connect with them no matter what type of background they have in order to nurture out their gifts and not worry about what others think? You should only worry about what
0: you can do and how you can help I guess I should get off my soapbox now. (laughs) No, I want you on your soapbox for sure. That's what this is all about. And please tell your former students about Time for Coffee because I that is one of the reasons. That I wanted to start this podcast because I was hearing from my friends who have college-age children and Mm. who've graduated from college that their children were scared and they were almost unable to make a decision because they were so afraid to make mistakes and they didn't really know what they wanted to do. And I thought, my goodness, we have got to open up the world to them and bring the professionals like you, to them so that they can learn about all of the different opportunities that are available to them, but also to know that as adults, we have Mm -hmm. screwed up time and again. Most of us had no master plan. We may have thought we had Mm -hmm. a plan. And then there were all these curveballs that came our way. Some of them were good, some were not. And it helped us get to where we are today. And it's all good.
1: It's all good. I thought my trajectory was to have a lab, do genetic engineering, win a Nobel Prize. That was my goal. That's why I worked so hard. And then I fell and I couldn't walk for a, a long time. And all my research that I've done, I contacted the March of Dimes saying, hey, I had a really bad accident. I won't be able to make the grant. they saying, well, I'm sorry you got hurt, but too bad. And I was so demoralized. I just felt like a waste. I remember I was telling my husband, my two kids, my boys were really little saying, I'm sorry, I'm a failure. I'm broken because I was so rigid because it worked for me. It was survival mode because especially from where I come from, I had to be really careful because my decision was life or death, really, even navigating through the neighborhood. And I knew education was the only way for me to get out. And when I couldn't walk, because I got really hurt and I'm going through all my repairs, I thought, I'm done. And then I always have education. I always love teaching as well, but I always wanted to be a you know, just full-on scientist with my lab, gung-ho. Then when I fell. And my hands couldn't work. My legs weren't working, but my brain worked. And then I had to communicate to one of my coworkers how to do an injection because it's injecting DNA into a gonad of a worm. And I couldn't do it. So I had to describe to her how to do it and how important, how to do all that. And she's like, wow, I was always doing it. But now I know why I'm doing it and the intricacies. Right. Mm. And I'm like, oh, wow. OK. And that's how science and education came to be. As I was rehabbing, I kept on volunteering to the local schools and teaching, you know, besides the college courses, teaching high school. And then I had a point in my life saying, this is when, right before I went to Bridges Academy, stating, I'm going to try to stay doing both. I need to be relevant in science, but I need to convey more students, especially students from my background, too. Because when I was coming up, there weren't ready people of color in the science departments or in the lab. And... When I was walking through Caltech or through USC or Cal Poly Pomona, I was the unique one. I remember one time someone thought that I was the technician, not one of the main scientists, and mm-hmm. I didn't like that. So wasn't able to move my body as well, knowing that I didn't see many individuals similar to my background, that I made a decision to still stay relevant and start teaching. And that's where both of my careers came together, And I started teaching and while doing science and I found that being so relevant to the students saying, oh, wait, first of all, they say, Okay, she's not just teaching from a book. She's talking from experience. I just saw a publication from her and they start to get the buy in of why they're learning certain things from a book or from the Internet. And then I realized, especially when I was working in the inner city, wait, she came from the same background as I did, you know, dodging bullets, but she was able to get here. So then I'm like, yeah, there's no excuse. If you want to just go for it, it'd be a little bit more obstacles, but it's possible. Then I noticed more individuals, especially through the Caltech's research teacher, student teacher connection, more students of color coming in and proving that they have the same goods as everybody else. And that is absolutely exciting. And it just makes me feel like I helped
0: a little bit. It's just so cool. Oh, my gosh. It is more than so cool. I mean, what an incredible story, Ideal. What an incredible story. And that is just so classic in the sense of you thought you were going to go down one path. You had a terrible thing happen to you. But look at where you've gone and how much enrichment it has brought you, I'm sure, to your heart and your soul and to your students. Yeah, and my boys, my family. And your family. Uh, Of course, of course. I was going to ask you, I almost feel like you've already answered it, but let me give you the opportunity to add to it. What is the best part for you? of being a scientist and an educator.
1: Oh my God, I'm gonna cry. So, and this is just recent. Can I say the first name of one of my students? Of course. All right, so her name is Kaylee and I met her almost eight, nine years ago and she was a student of mine as a freshman. She didn't believe in herself. She thought she was going through one particular path, but I saw a passion in her. She loved engineering and building things. But I remember her saying, no, this is my life. I'm going to die. I mean, she was in a hole. My husband and I worked our butt off. We brought FIRST Robotics into the school. Fast forward, her grades weren't that great, especially mathematics, because everybody has their little strengths and weaknesses. Doesn't mean she couldn't do it. It just took a little longer. Fast forward, she graduated from Purdue. She worked at JPL. I think I have her note to me here. She was saying if it wasn't for me, she wouldn't be where she's at with a bachelor's in engineering, now working for Harley Davidson. And that made me cold and warm and like, if anything happens to me now, I feel like I've done something important, impactful. And that is the best. Thank you, Kaylee. That was the most amazing thing she ever wrote to me. That she said I was the only one who believed in her to become a female engineer. And I'm like, no, no, don't write female. You are an engineer.
0: Oh <sighs> my gosh. Ideal, Stop. you've got me oh, so, yeah. choked up.
1: <laughs> I mean, oh. that she is. Oh, you got to talk to her because we went through a lot together and now she's here, a beautiful young individual, brilliant, funny, and kicking butt at Harley Davidson. She's fantastic.
0: What a That's wonderful mighty- story. That's yeah. the best part.
1: Yeah, it, it really is. It's not, oh, thank you for the great. It was thank you for my life,
0: she basically said.
1: And I'm very
0: humbled for that. Very, very humbled. What is the part? of your current job that sucks the most?
1: (laughs) Okay, truth bomb. Sometimes, oh, not sometimes, when parents attack, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) Every teacher, because I'm part of the ASCD, so basically international teacher workshop, we collaborate and we also meet up in DC. And the common theme, which we could all relate to every educator out there, is when parents say, or guardians say to the educator, It's your fault my kid is failing. It's your teaching. It's you. And that hurts because that's not our goal. Not our ultimate goal is not to say, I want to fail that kid. We want to help everyone. And if the parent guardian don't feel like we're at a, we're working as a team, we're a team doing it, right? We're working to help them grow. And that failing grade does not mean they're failing in life. It just means, oh, there was a little hiccup. Let's figure it out. And we can help them move forward or she forward. Are they forward? It's just when parents. I know they're doing it out of love. I'm a parent myself, but sometimes just to say, "Hey, how can we help my child succeed in your class? What are some strategies that we could work with?" Instead of "It's all your fault. I should fire you." Ugh, it gets rough. It gets really rough. That's the sucky part of the job.
0: Yes, having been on this parent side, working with educators, to help our son, I can totally appreciate how (laughs) heavy-handed parents can be and the emotion that's involved. And that's really important to keep in mind. Ideal, what is the best career advice you've ever gotten?
1: Actually, it was from my abuela. It was not a career advice. It was a life advice. Mm -hmm. She said, who cares what anybody thinks about you? I mean, they're not living you. Basically what the kids say now, just do you if what everybody thinks about you, bad or good, if it does not affect your career and your passions, just forget about it. And I kept on hearing that in my head saying, I don't care what people think of me saying I shouldn't be here. You sound funny or you're not smart. I mean, I got the gamut. I was always on special ed classes, normal classes growing up from elementary to high school. She said, who cares what they think? Just get to your finish line. And I think that's my not career goal, but life advice is who cares what people think of you? As long as you're living yourself, your truth, just move forward because no one else will do it for you besides you. And always seek your mentors. There's tons of
0: people willing to help you. Absolutely. So the flip side to that beautiful note that you received from your former student and the the incredible... Just gift that you have received from her as you've helped her fulfill kind of her, her potential dreams. and yeah. her dreams. Yes. So two yeah. final espresso shots. Cool, what, <laughs> what movies or Netflix, Amazon, Hulu shows, or for that matter, books ideal, do you think accurately depict your professions?
1: Oh, Okay. I can't even pick one. All right. Michelle Obama's book. Oh my God. It was, she had like a similar background to mine. And when her parents says- You deal with your business and then you can move forward. Don't bring other people into your business, whatever it's totally dug that. So that was so amazing to hear her own words as she read the book, because yeah, I worked out and listened. Say she came from humble beginnings. She had a goal. She worked hard for it. She dealt with what she needed to deal with, whatever obstacles and prejudgment, but she got there. So that was whatever your goal may be, you get there. I love that book. And the one for scientifically was The History of the Gene by Siddhartha. I think I'm saying the author's name correctly. The Evolution of Genetics and the Discovery of DNA. Why is that relating to me and similar to my profession? It's prejudgment and how... Wow, oh, this is such a good book. You yeah, gotta read it. Basically, four little chemicals that could make you you, from a cockroach to a human being or to a mammoth, the same code, but how other individuals can think that's a flaw. And it isn't a flaw. It's another superpower evolution of life. And the hustle, each person, especially the scientists, need to do the hustle to make sure their science is heard, having individuals ask the right questions to move science forward, and also finding the funding. You may have the greatest science out there that could revolution humankind, but if you don't have any money and don't make that science artsy or sexy, so someone could fund it, it won't move forward. So that Mm. book was amazing on how the hustle of a scientist is needed and also prejudgment of something that is just four little codes that code you for little chemicals. And that shouldn't be prejudgment that should be celebrated. So they talk about eugenetics there. So it's Oh, that book is fantastic. Oh, wonderful. And yes, yes, (laughs) I have one little zinger, one little zinger. Oh, my God, Scott Kelly's book how he became an astronaut and how he honored his mother. He has a twin brother and his mother was the first female police officer and she trained her butt off to get there. He thanks her for his perseverance to become an astronaut because he wasn't the brightest student. You got to read this. And he even went to the wrong college. He got into college and he read to the wrong college that he was accepted to. I mean, this guy was all over the place until he read his favorite book that inspired him, which was The Right Stuff. Oh, those books, forget about. Those are highly
0: recommended. Wonderful. I will make sure to include them in our show notes. So final espresso shot, what would Java junkies be surprised to learn about your two professions, Ideal?
1: Well, they're nicely merging. So I was accepted to become an astronaut. So it's called the Possum Scientist Astronaut Program. That's at Embry-Riddle in Florida. So I was accepted to be part of their program. And if all goes well, I will be up in space, seeing the earth with my own eyes and hopefully doing some research up there while testing the atmosphere and making the world healthier. I'm so excited about that. So that's a nice way that my education, my science background merged, because when I applied to this program, this scientist astronaut program, I conveyed both of my passions, saying that in order for the Earth itself, for global warming, because there's data out there, data doesn't lie. There are certain cases that we can't revert back, but how can we help it? And as an educator, how to teach the next generation and mentor the next generation and show how to learn and how to be proactive in preventing the mistakes of the past and helping our planet. Because we don't need to go to another planet if this planet dies. If we have the technology to go to Mars, Jupiter, or to any of the exoplanets, that means we have the money and the technology to help this planet. So that's one of my little spiels.
0: (laughs) Well, huge congratulations and I'm so excited it's yeah so amazing and I think that's a great kind of interpretation of that last question that there are so many ways that you can use the experiences that you are getting on the job in your various professions to iterate into another area entirely which is outer space <laughs> so I mean, cool so cool life.
1: Life is not straight. Life is, is a roller coaster. Like cliches are a reason. Life is a roller coaster. So,
0: yeah. <laughs> well, thank you so much for letting us come along on this ride with you, Ideal. Or I thank should you. say, for you joining me on this ride here on Time for Coffee. It has been such a pleasure. I want to thank you sincerely for making Time for Coffee today with me and the Time for Coffee community. Boy, are those students at the Buckley School lucky to have you.
1: Oh, thank you. They're a great bunch of kids and colleagues, the best.
0: Thanks so much for listening to Time for Coffee, where the professionals in the jobs that most interest you always have time to grab coffee 24-7, no matter where you live. I have one quick favor to ask you. Remember to rate, review, and subscribe to Time for Coffee. Thanks so much.